0: It's really great to be here with you this morning. Uh, Today we're taking a a quick pause in in the wonderful sermon series that we've been about on great relationships. And I want to take the opportunity today, um, as we pause from that series, just to figure out what Jesus has been up to in our lectionary. So we're in this great season after the Epiphany. We started way back on Sunday, January the 6th. And uh, we'll go, this season is particularly long because Lent is late, because Easter is late. Um, we'll go all the way into to, um, March. Uh, March 3rd will be the last Sunday of Epiphany. So the whole season after the Epiphany is about the light of Christ being manifest to the whole world. All of the stories that we hear from the Gospels, uh, many of our readings point to that. So we start, right, with the story of the Magi who come from the East. Do you remember them? bringing their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, because the light of Christ has been manifest not only to those who live in Israel, but to the whole world. And we go from that story to the baptism of our Lord, where the, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove, and we hear the voice from heaven, this is my son, my beloved, listen to him. We go From that story pretty quickly into uh, parts one and two of last week and this week, and then next week we'll go to Jesus calling his disciples to begin to spread his message into the world, to the great Sermon on the Plain, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And finally, we'll get to that great story, that last Sunday before Lent begins, of Jesus being transfigured on the mountain. Last week we began to hear about how Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth, and he is given a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah, to read, and he reads this promise that God has said, the the blind will regain their sight, those who are hungry will be fed, those who are mourning will be comforted, those who are oppressed will be released. And then he sits down and says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And I love what Luke says. Luke says, all were amazed at what he was saying. Sounds really positive, right? Um, I don't know that I've ever had an experience of preaching and everyone being amazed. So (laughs) I'm like, this sounds great. But almost immediately, something else is going on. It seems like there is some confusion because they say, wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? And that seems pretty innocuous unless you hold up Luke with Matthew and Mark where it says they took offense at him. Why are they offended? What are they upset about? And Jesus, sort of predicting and understanding kind of what's in their heart, gives them this parable about a doctor and then begins to tell them about Elijah and Elisha. And they are so angry with Jesus that they chase him out the synagogue and up to, I have two pictures today. We're gonna see one right here. Up to the Mount of Precipice, the brow of the hill on which Nazareth was built. Back in uh, 2012, I had a, a great pleasure in, uh, to lead a pilgrimage to Israel, to the land of the Holy One. And uh, we did go to Nazareth. And I'm just going to show you two pictures from there today. Um, this one is uh, from the spot that, where this gospel lesson takes place today. And this is a picture just sort of acknowledging where it is, the Mount of Precipice, uh, where they attempted to throw Jesus off the hill. They were so angry with him. Um, and let's go to the next picture, because this is really, it's beautiful. This is a picture from that same spot, just turning in the other direction. And that little mountain that you see in the distance, you see that one right there? That's the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, we're here about at the end of the season of Epiphany, where Jesus and Moses and Elijah are together with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus is transfigured before them. Now, I'm going to use this one over here. Right here is another fun little place. It's called Endor. No, it's not where the Ewoks come from. But it's this really interesting story where King Saul, after the prophet Samuel has died, goes to Endor and asks a witch to bring Samuel back up from the dead so he can ask him a question. There's crazy stuff in the Bible, y'all. I don't know if you know that, but it's a real place, Endor. But here you can see... um, From the Mount of Precipice where they would have attempted to throw Jesus off, Um, just the beauty of the land around them, and even though this is sort of modern, you can get a sense of of what it would have looked like in Jesus' time as well. How can anyone be so angry at Jesus that they want to fling him off of a cliff? How is that possible in this exchange? Why are these people chasing after Jesus to, to throw him away? What are they rejecting? Well, I think most people think that what's happening is that Jesus is acknowledging who he is in the midst of the fulfillment of the prophecy from Isaiah. He is telling the people that he is the Messiah. What's really interesting is that Luke puts this story really early, right? I I just mentioned this is before he calls the disciples. This is actually before he goes to Capernaum where he just references that they've heard about his work. He is, at the beginning, Luke is concerned that we all understand from go, Jesus is not only the Messiah for the Jews, but for the whole world. Luke, more than any other of the gospel writers, wants to make sure we as the readers know that God's love is for everyone. And that's offensive. That's offensive if you've grown up in this tradition where you have a certain expectation of God. God is supposed to love me, yeah, but not those guys down the road. And Jesus reminds them through this encounter that, hey, you remember that great prophet Elijah that you all love so much? Do you remember when there was that famine? He wasn't sent to anyone in Israel. He was sent to those outside of Israel to a widow way up in Sidon, our enemies. And worse than that, Elisha, the guy who came right after him, that great prophet that we love so much who did all these wonderful things. A lot of people had leprosy at the time. He was only sent to one guy he happened to be a Syrian. Can you imagine? So the people are like, we don't like Syrians. We don't like those people up from Sidon. <clears throat> what is this guy Jesus talking about? He's trying, to, he's trying to change the things we've understood about God and, and God choosing us all this time. And, and that makes them really angry. And so they chase him out of the town. I wonder what Jesus could say to you or I that would make us angry enough to try to throw him off a cliff. I wonder if Jesus could say something to us that so overturns our preconceived notions of who God is or how we're to live together as followers of Jesus that would make us angry enough to want to reject that. I mean, on the surface level, I'd love to say, well, no, none of us, nothing. There's nothing Jesus could say. Anything Jesus could say or anything that could happen to us, nothing would make us go to that place. But I know that's not true. I know that we all have experiences in our lives that challenge us to our very core of our understanding of God and of church and how we live out our faith in the world. Sometimes we have to be shaken from that place of comfort in order to enter into a new understanding Of the radical inclusive love of God not only for us in the church but for all the people of the world for all of creation we're called to prioritize those people who we may not get along with God calls us to love them and that's hard to hear I think metaphorically if we think about this lesson in in ways that Jesus might be speaking to each of us and whatever ways we need to hear things that would make us so angry that we would want to to throw those things off of of a cliff, I think we can think about what happens at the end of this story. And quite frankly, it's miraculous. And I I think it's no coincidence that it happens within sight of the Mount of the Transfiguration and where this remarkable event in Endor happened where um, the prophet Samuel is brought up from Sheol And in this space, I mean, it just says Jesus passed through the midst of them. But if you've ever been in the midst of a crowd, that is not an easy thing to do. And there are different ways to interpret this. I've seen some film that just sort of have Jesus kind of walking away. But I like to think of sort of the, the mysterious nature of Jesus being able to pass through the crowd as a way of saying, you may want to reject my teaching. You may want to reject me. What I'm saying to you may be really, really difficult to hear. And you may want to reject it and throw it off the cliff, but I'm not going to let you do that. I love you enough that I'm going to pass through the midst of you and I'm going to continue on teaching you the good news of God's love for you and for the whole world. And so Jesus passes through the crowd. Now this morning at Joy Mass, I had some help from some little friends. So I hope that you'll help me, uh, those of you who are little or those of you who are bigger. Um, This is the bad kind of chasing, right? We don't want to chase Jesus like this in anger. Um, If you've ever been chased by someone in a violent situation, you know how scary that can be. And I don't think that's what God is about for us. But if you can remember way back to when you were a kid and the joy that you would feel if you were playing tag or hide and seek, or you were chasing, um, maybe you even played kiss chase. That's kind of a British thing, but it happens. (laughs) Some of you played it, I can hear. Mm -hmm. But that joy that you felt that running after and chasing or being chased, you know, tagging, the little, all the the fun stuff that happens there. I think God wants to play with us like that. I think God wants us to chase Jesus with that same abandon and joy. I think God wants us to run after Jesus to try to, to tag him so that he can turn around and chase us back. And I think that there's this great love that's created and that happens in that space. So, whenever we are encountered with words from the Bible, words from our liturgy, words from our preachers, words from our Lord that come to us that may start to make us angry or feel uncomfortable, my hope and prayer for each of us is that we wouldn't chase that. We wouldn't chase Jesus off the cliff, but that we would pause and remember the story of what happens in Nazareth, that we would instead say, okay, this may be difficult, but I know that you're with me, and let's play a game of tag. Let's pray.